When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-size companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. It's been a long, tough, and winding road. But at last, at last, we have arrived. And the bill, as amended, is passed. I believe this violates the rules of reconciliation. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective. From D.C.'s top names. Russians have probably taken 70 or 80,000 casualties uh, in less than six months. Hungary shall protect the institution of marriage as the union of one man and one woman. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Democrats get their climate and tax bill, but which party will win the war of words? Welcome to the fastest hour in politics After the Senate passes the so-called Inflation Reduction Act on a party-line vote, Republicans say it'll actually make inflation worse. We'll talk about what this means for the president and the march to the midterms with Alan Lickman, presidential historian and professor of politics at American University. Another CPAC is in the books. We'll talk about what we heard and saw and whether any of it will help Republicans in the fall with Bloomberg National political reporter Mark Niquette. He was there. And we put the band back together with our signature panel, Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano back with us today to help make sense of it all. And we start. It's a sound that President Biden and a lot of Democrats have been waiting for. On this vote, the yeas are 50, the nays are 50, the Senate being equally divided. The vice president votes in the affirmative and the bill as amended is passed. And there it is. After, God, they must have been punch drunk, if not drunk drunk by then. 19-hour Votorama. Up all night on Saturday into Sunday, just in time to do the Sunday morning shows. Uh, Democrats get it done. Uh, Reconciliation, all you need in a 50-50 Senate is a vice president to get on the motorcade and come break the tie. And there we have the deal. The House says uh, it's on board going to vote Friday. Chuck Schumer, of course, the Senate Majority Leader, who uh, scores a pretty big win here politically, invokes Paul McCartney on the victory lap. Here he is. It's been a long, tough, and winding road. But at last, at last, we have arrived. I know it's been a long day and a long night, 
but we've gotten it done. Today, after more than a year of hard work, the Senate is making history. I am confident the Inflation Reduction Act will endure as one of the defining legislative feats of the 21st century. Well, I mean, we'll see about that. But more than a year is a statement. We have been talking about this since it was Build Back Better, since it was before. Remember, it was human infrastructure. This isn't exactly that. It's gone through remarkable change and has been squashed significantly in size. But that's been the same debate, really, just with some on again, off again. Now, the messaging war, as you heard Chuck Schumer there, the way he put it, most significant, you know, we're talking history here and clearly a win in his eyes for Americans. When you hear the talking points from the other side of the aisle, and of course, everyone's got their talking points. Republicans are just going for the direct opposite. If you've been listening to this program, you know where I'm going here. They say the Inflation Reduction Act increases uh, inflation. But Senator Rick Scott took it to a new level as he did the Sunday morning shows. Of course, they had been up all night. He showed up on CBS uh, Face the Nation with a whole new name for this bill. Listen, this bill actually ought to be called the War on um, Seniors Act. I mean, this is a war on Medicare. You look at this. This is a $280 billion cut in Medicare. So what's going to happen is... Medicare is going to get cut and there's going to be seniors that don't get life-saving drugs because the reducing Medicare will not be able to have to, not the same as be able reducing to. benefits, though. You, you know that. Margaret, it's $280 billion that would have been spent. It was anticipated to be spent. It's not going to be spent now. OK, and that you'll be hearing that, right? He's, it's his job to help get people, Republicans, elected to the Senate. Uh, so you're going to hear that not only increases inflation, but it cuts Medicare spending. Uh, the direct opposite of, of course, what we have been hearing from Democrats. This can be very confusing for voters. And the war of the words uh, is a real one as we head for the midterms. This is where we begin with Alan Lickman, presidential historian, professor of politics, American University, author, of course, and the the inventor of the keys to the White House presidential prediction system. Professor Lickman, it's been some time and it's great to talk to you. I appreciate your being here with us. Uh, as as we try to gauge the significance of all of this uh, from the eyes of the White House here, you're Joe Biden. And you look back the last couple of presidents thinking what they got done in the first two years. You got done this. You got the reconciliation deal, biggest climate deal you could come up with helping to lower the deficit. Say what you will about inflation. I'm not an economist. You got the PACT Act, right? The burn pits. You got a major th- deal on gun safety legislation. Uh, major, at least in its difficulty over the years to get done. I think we had a big infrastructure deal there. All this done with the 50-50 Senate, and Joe Biden's looking in the mirror saying, how the heck do I have an approval rating in the low 30s, Professor? Is this really as simple as the the cost of gas? Well, I think it's a number of things. Look when his approval rating started to drop. It was that awful biased press coverage of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Yeah, there were a lot of problems, but it was nowhere close to the disaster that the media portrayed it as. Maybe the media was trying to show, you know, we're willing to go after a Democratic president just like we went after Donald Trump. Well, when 13 Marines die, it's pretty hard to make that sound good. Yeah, but that was a terrorist act. That was not directly tied to... But uh, I understand your point. The withdrawal from Afghanistan was the beginning of this downturn for him. Yes even though it was a very much more successful, for example, 
than the withdrawal from uh, Vietnam in the 1970s. They got just about everybody out. You can't stop a terrorist attack. That was, you know, could have happened regardless of the withdrawal. Then, of course, as you point out, you had the inflation, people mm-hmm. being sour about the economy. And when the mm-hmm. economy is rough, uh, who are you going to blame? You're going to blame the president. Sure. You know, he didn't cause the inflation. Inflation is a worldwide problem. And a president has limited control over the uh, operations of an economy as huge mm-hmm. as the United States. A lot of Republicans However, seem to think the American Rescue Act, though, made it worse, that, that we poured gas on the fire, as they say. Yeah, but th- there's no evidence for that. So you're well, not buying that. Here's the problem for Republicans. Don, uh, Joe Biden has achieved the greatest accomplishments in Democratic reform since Lyndon Johnson and the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, Medicare, and Medicaid. It's so forget the last two presidents, any- Professor. I said, you know, you compare this to Trump-Obama, you're going back decades now to the significance of this presidency in his first two years. I'm an historian. That's what we do. We put things in historical perspective. Now, does that mean they're going to reverse fortunes in the midterm election? Maybe not. But it's certainly a move in the right direction that has the potential to do that. And we've already seen, even before this, President Obama's approval rating ticking up. I looked today at the Erasmussen report, which tends to lean right. He's at 45 percent. He's not in the 30s. He was in the 30s a month ago. Now he's at 45 percent. And the generic ballot, which previously on average from 538 had strongly favored Republicans, mm-hmm. all that has been erased. And that's before this extraordinary accomplishment. The problem so, for Republicans is twofold. One, okay. it can't just be the party of no. What is the Republican solution to any of our problems? Nobody has any idea what it is. Secondly, context is everything. And you've got to put this in the context of the Supreme Court overturning Roe and tremendous momentum of those who are opposing forced pregnancy. In the conservative state of Kansas, 59%, in a primary, which tends to have Republican turnout, voted for abortion Mm -hmm. rights. Now, this presumes that the Democrats can overcome their tremendous messaging problem for okay so now you're time. getting to something though because you've been talking policy you've been talking you know political issues until this point of the conversation so what if the what if the i appreciate you you don't think republicans have anything going on but in the case of joe biden he's still underwater granted 45 percent is a lot better than low to mid 30s uh, uh but considering the messaging around this to your point and the packaging if this were a young strapping man uh and not joe biden and if there was a different communications office, could this be a very different looking situation now Absolutely. when it comes to public approval? His yeah, age is working against needs- him then and his and his communications office. How do you fix those? Yeah, Biden is not a great communicator. He never has been. He's 78 years old. He tends to mumble and, ram- and ramble. But let's remember, this is not a national election. It's going to be fought out in the individual states and the individual congressional districts. And it's up to Democratic incumbents and the Democratic candidates to sell this and sell the whole gamut of accomplishments to the American people. Well, how about the next election? They have something to sell. As the man behind the keys 
to the White House. People, Professor, are asking him every day if he's going to run for re-election, and the, the, the mindset is he's going to have to say something after the midterms. My God, there's a, there will be debating next June, which is just incredible to think about. Ridiculous. Um, well, but it's coming, right? So how long is the window uh, when we come back from the midterms for him to tell Democrats what his plan is? D- does he actually say he's not going to run again? Look, uh, you guys, the media, are my great friends. You're really smart, <laughs> you're really good. But you got to write a story every day. But that's, that's not that problem. far away, Professor. I mean, you know, a lot yeah, of Democrats are asking. Yeah, here's my point. Uh, the media's been, oh, my God, Biden is old. He's not a good communicator. Democrats are better off without him. But my mm-hmm. system, which has predicted correctly every election since 1984, the yep. keys to the White House, two of the keys are incumbency and an internal party battle for the incumbent party nomination. If Biden doesn't run, you lose the incumbency key and you surely will lose the party battle key. Alan Lickman, presidential historian, American University. I thank you. God, I'd like to hear the end of that. On the fastest hour in politics, I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Meet Gary. Gary's about to become an Einstein in an instant. Whoa, Einstein hair. I like it. That's right, Gary, because you're using Salesforce powered by Einstein AI to connect data, predict business trends, generate personalized content, and wow customers. I do feel a lot smarter. Because you're not just Gary anymore. You're Gary, empowered by Einstein AI. Did you hear that, team? I'm an Einstein. Oh, can I get a selfie? The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. This is Bloomberg Sound On on Bloomberg Radio. So Alan Lickman says the suggestion that Joe Biden would not run for re-election is ridiculous. You heard that just now on Sound On. But, well, then again, I think he was calling me ridiculous, too. What are you going to do? Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as we assemble the panel, our signature panel, for the first time in over a week. Rick Davis is back in the mix as we put the band back together. Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg politics contributors. It's great to have you both here. Uh, I feel like we should start there before we even get to what happened over the weekend and its potential impact in November. Uh, Rick, welcome back. I haven't talked to you in a bit. I wonder your thoughts uh, on this because Joe Biden, uh, boy, even members of his own party are suggesting that he not run and that he and make that announcement soon. Uh, I realize a lot can happen in the course of two years. But he's made this first two years uh, look like a, a pretty tough grind on an aging man. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. It's great to be back. And I must say, I, I thought I was leaving for a week and it seemed like uh, about a year's worth of legislation passed Capitol Hill <laughs> while I was right. gone. 
Um, yeah, you know, look, I think this is part of the undoing of the Democratic Party, right? They're having this great run on the Hill, and all they want to talk about is, you know, that Joe Biden uh, can't be successful in another term. And, and and they're the ones who are doing it. No, no Republicans are sort of lifting against uh, Joe Biden because the Democrats are doing a good job themselves. Huh. Uh, and, and look, I mean, I think the one thing that, that was left out of your earlier conversation with Alan was – uh, that that he's a very old man. He'll be 80 by the time the mm-hmm. campaign goes into full swing. Mm-hmm. And and that will dictate as much as any political issue or any issue related to the recession of the economy in the calculations to whether he can survive a grueling presidential campaign. Is the suggestion he would not run for re-election ridiculous, Jeannie, or, or very much in the realm of reality or a conversation we need to have? Yeah, I mean, I was thinking when I read Maureen Dowd's column this weekend, you know, Joe Biden, the greatest week he's had in his presidency, and it was quite a successful week. And I I think there are arguments both pro and con as to how much of a role he played in all this. But great week for the Biden administration and the Democrats. And he wakes up to Maureen Dowd saying, good job, Joe, now time to leave. And, you know, to Rick's point, that's not the way, not that she's a Democratic spokesperson by any stretch of the imagination. Um, And you also, let's not forget, you had in New York, you had uh, Carolyn Maloney and others who are running in the House. These are real Democrats. That's right. In debates. She had to apologize. She had to apologize. You know, so Democrats have, have got to sort of get back on track. And I, you know, we, we heard Richardson over the weekend saying, you know, he should run. So they've got to get back on track. But more important than that, they've got to sell this plan to the American public as they go home. That's mm. what they have to do now once it passes the House. That's their job right now. They've got to get off the, you know, Joe, you need to step away bandwagon, yeah, at yeah. least until the midterms are over. Well, let's get to that, because this sales pitch looks awfully difficult to me. Uh, just hearing the talking points play out on both sides on Sunday morning shows just makes it clear that that people could be so confused. They don't know what's in the in the damn thing. It doesn't matter who's right or wrong. You, you've heard from Chuck Schumer. You've heard from the president. You heard Rick Scott there call it should be called the War on Seniors Act. I played a couple of minutes ago. Senator Mike Rounds. Uh, who was not quite as animated, again, after it was a long night, was on ABC this week talking to George Stephanopoulos about how, you know, he, he was a little bit more nuanced than Rick Scott in this case, realizing that there are no tax hikes that he could specifically point to. Listen to what he said. Now, they talk about it being on big corporations, but big corporations raise prices. They do pass it all down. <clears throat> so from our perspective, we will see those tax increases coming down the line. And Americans are going to feel it. If Rick, if they, if Republicans connect the dots between corporate tax hikes and people's own job security or paychecks, what does that do to this great story Democrats have to tell? Yeah, it's it. it look, it undermines the story, right? If you're paying for it out of your pocketbook to uh, basically do these uh, uh, priorities around climate and health care that are in the bill. Uh, you may or may not uh, like that as an outcome of uh, how to use your money in the best possible way. That being said, it is an awful tough case to make, right? Yeah. I mean, when Americans look at their W-2 and they see the increase in withholding, they think that's a tax increase. That's, mm-hmm. That is – it's not the only way people feel they get taxed. Um, but the bottom line is uh, everyone has been feeling the pinch of inflation. Everyone's spending more for the same thing that they're getting now. How you then say that the reason you're doing that is because of this one bill, very tough in a very short ter- period of time to make that case. So what's, you know, what's the answer for, for Democrats here, Jeannie? Joe Biden says, I will not hike taxes on anyone, any family making less than $400,000 a year. Republicans say, no, he's lying. How do, how do you move on from there? 
Well, you move on because, you know, the reality is there is a very, very minor, what is it, 0.1% tax increase. It doesn't directly hit families less than $400,000. I mean, that that's true. Can it be passed on by corporations? Yes, it can. But yep. Republicans who passed a sweeping tax reform within, in Donald Trump's first year didn't seem that concerned with cutting the taxes on corporations. And listen, there are big things in this bill. It's not everything they wanted, but there are big things that they can can be proud of, including the, the the corporate minimum tax, including the excise tax. But more important than that is the health care and climate provisions. And that's what they really have to talk about. We heard that's that the from story. Yeah, we heard that from Biden today as, as, as he was you know out. He was saying this is going to be all about capping prescription drugs, extending those subsidies. Those are big, big things. This is a big deal for Democrats should, and Americans. Should Democrats talk about the, the benefits for fossil fuel as well here, Rick? Uh, this this Democratic Party can't get themselves to talk about domestic uh, production of energy. You know, if it's if it's, it's in not, there. it's in there. But um, you know, they they just can't do it. You look at how tough it's been for Biden to yep. to talk about that, and I just can't see them making the change. Wouldn't have Joe Manchin without it, right? It's funny. No one will read the bill, of course, but it's in there. Uh, CPAC, another CPAC in the books, as I mentioned. Boy, that was a lineup. Did you see President Trump? Did you see Victor Orban? Uh, Mark Niquette was there for all of it. Bloomberg Politics reporter is with us next. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 11.30 to Boston, Bloomberg 106.1 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. Donald Trump was the headliner at CPAC over the weekend, delivered the big speech Saturday night, went on to win the presidential straw poll after teasing plans to run again, as he does. But it was the prime minister of Hungary who raised the most eyebrows. We'll talk about the big confab with Bloomberg politics reporter Mark Niquette. He was there. You, you wouldn't think Dallas necessarily would be the place your, your pick to hear Viktor Orban speak about politics. But that was the deal uh, at CPAC in Dallas over the weekend, a long weekend, of course, that they have every year at this conference. That's changed a lot over the years. The prime minister of Hungary, though, was one of the headliners, having uh, opened a CPAC conference uh, overseas in, in Hungary. It was like a, an offshoot of CPAC that happened uh a big favorite of Donald Trump's, and, and he was as controversial as you would expect. This is, you know, a much more likely crowd than you might think. As I read the headline from Mark Niquette, Orban is an outsider in Europe. At CPAC, he fits right in, and a great piece of writing. As Mark says, Orban is used to being pigeonholed as a pariah in Europe. In Texas, though, before an audience of diehard Trump supporters, his spiel against progressives, immigrants, and the media was warmly embraced. Give a listen. You managed to confuse a lot of people by inviting me. For example, the leftist media. I can already see tomorrow's headlines. Far-right, European racist, and anti-semi-strongman, the Trojan horse of Putin, whole speech at conservative conference. <laughs> he wasn't too far off, right or wrong. And he made headlines with his positions on any number of issues, including one that hits close to home right now in the U.S. 
And that, of course, is same-sex marriage. Following the role ruling, this is, as you know, if you're in political circles, something that Democrats are talking about a lot. Here's Viktor Orban again at CPAC. Hungary shall protect the institution of marriage as the union of one man and one woman. <laughs> Crowd loved it. Family ties, family ties shall be based on marriage or the relationship between parents and children. To sum up, the mother is a woman, the father is a man, and leave our kids alone. Full stop, end of discussion. Standing ovation there. Do they really full stop end of, is that slang in Hungary? Uh, Mark Niquette was at CPAC for what I believe was four days. Bloomberg Politics reporter. Mark, it's great to have you. I know you've covered a lot of these uh, before, and you would think that I'd be playing Donald Trump cuts right now from the speech, but it was Orban that just seemed to really rise to the surface as the most newsworthy portion of the conference. Uh, not a lot of places would invite him to talk politics in this country. What's his connection to conservatives in America? Yeah, it was especially interesting that he uh, was invited to speak at CPAC uh, because he's just coming off uh, um, a lot of controversy over a speech he gave in Romania where he talked about how Hungary should not become a mixed-race country, and yeah. he railed against the threat of Islamic civilization to white Europeans and prompted the resignation of a Jewish aid and you know broad condemnation from uh, EU leaders who thought these remarks were racist. Um, in fact, CPAC had to sort of defend why they were allowing him to speak after uh, that controversy. Uh, but you're right, he, he he was warmly embraced by the, the CPAC crowd who, um, you know, these are, are really conservative folks who I, I think appeal, Orban's sort of approach appeals to them, um, and a lot of the themes he echoes uh, are definitely appealing to this crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, you know, if, if you if you listen to Orban's speech, like you said, you, you you could have heard you know Trump saying the exact same things. In fact, yeah. Orban even you know touched on a lot of the you know common things you hear in a Trump rally speech, like you know That's the need right. to be to, to win. Uh, you know, he talked about the fake news and yep. uh, even you know issues like uh, immigration, anti-immigration, where you know he stressed the need for for a border wall and how he built the wall in, uh, in Hungary before Trump built his wall in the U.S. <laughs> Maybe he's planning a move over here. I don't know. It's, it's an interesting, uh, I mean, does this help him at home? Or, or, or does he just love getting the applause and, and all the attention here? Yeah, there's some thought that maybe this helps legitimize him a bit at home. But, uh, you know, getting getting exposure on the national stage in, in the United States, you know, at this conference. But um, I think it was really more just a, a, a sign that, you know, the, the conservative movement in the U.S., you know, represented by the, the CPAC folks, mm-hmm. you know, is just really much more aligned with, you know, sort of this authoritarian, uh, no-nonsense populist uh, approach that Orban has taken. In fact, you know, the, the crux of Orban's speech was, you know, conservatives you need to unite uh, in the culture wars and follow the example that I've set and how I've ruled Hungary. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I'm sure Donald Trump would put it differently. Uh, by the way, Donald Trump had an approval rating of 99%. The choice of 69% of about 1,000 attendees, the straw poll is something that, you know, makes news every year, whether it should or not. Uh, but it's interesting that among those who voted, Ron DeSantis got 24%. 69% for Trump, DeSantis at 
nobody else even close, right? It falls off a cliff to single digits after that. So it really does reinforce this idea that Ron DeSantis is the alternative. Right. In fact, the, the straw poll had a separate question uh, that did not include Trump. If Trump didn't run, who would um, the, the CPAC uh, attendees select? And, and DeSantis was overwhelmingly the choice uh, there. In fact, uh, I think only, only Donald Trump Jr., the president's son, was, was uh, you know, second place. And he had only like eight percentage points to like 65 percent for DeSantis. Lastly, Mark, you've done a few of these, as I mentioned. I, I used to go to CPAC when it was still in Washington, and it was an event that was covered by more uh, news agencies. It's changed a lot. It's not, this is to, not to confuse our listeners, not a Republican event. This is a conservative event. And, and in fact, the Republican Party can take a lot of criticism. How far away from the GOP is CPAC at this point? Um, well, it's hard to say. I mean, there's some who would argue that, you know, the folks who go to CPAC are the, the Republican Party now, or at least, you know, the controller or the majority of the Republican Party. Because you're right, the CPAC used to be, you know, very policy-oriented. Yeah. You know, a lot of speeches about... Mitt uh, Romney dropped know. out of the presidential race at CPAC. I remember I was there. They wouldn't let him in there now, Mark. Right. Great and to and talk to you about that, by the way. That's you completely out of time. Mark Niquette with us. We'll reassemble the panel next. Face it, your business is unique. It faces challenges and risks that are specific to your industry and to the skills you and your team bring to every challenge. You need experienced insurance professionals. The Hartford accepts the challenge. The Hartford understands that protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can help provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to easily manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford faces any challenge to deliver innovative, customizable solutions that your industry and your unique company demand. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Johann Schmiegel, you've got the world's highest IQ. Yes, 247. Wow. Did you know that thanks to Salesforce with Einstein AI, everyone's smarter? Now everyone's an Einstein, just like you. But I'm the smartest. Not anymore. With connected data and trusted AI, everyone can give customers experiences they've only dreamed of. Oh, look, here's a few Einsteins now. Hey, hi. Hola, amigo. Everyone's an Einstein? It's okay, Johan. Let it happen. The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's an Einstein with Salesforce. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. So Donald Trump wins the straw poll, but as Mark Niquette told us, there was a separate question at CPAC. What would you do without Trump as a candidate in 2024? Ron DeSantis was the overwhelming choice at 65%. After that, again, off a cliff, it's down to single digits. Let's reassemble the panel uh, for a quick turn on this and some of the other stories that we're following. Rick Davis is back with us. Jeannie Shanzano is here. Bloomberg Politics contributors. Rick, you've spent your time, I'm sure, going to CPACs. I, I, you probably chuckle at the straw poll, but it's interesting just to look at everything after Trump on here. If he does not run, Ron DeSantis is your nominee, right? Is anyone close to him? Well, I, I would first have to preface everything by saying CPAC does not decide to nominate the Republican Party. Of course, in fact, I, most of them they've endorsed in the past have not actually succeeded. Okay. So, <laughs> so this is like worse I wouldn't than call the it the kiss bus. of death either. But this is the party. I think they reflect actually more the Donald Trump party of the Republican Party now mm -hmm. than they probably ever have in the sense that 
their kind of extreme right-wing nationalism is where the party is. It mm. used to not be, but it is now so more So the party got closer to CPAC is what you're saying. Correct. Wow. And, uh, and I think the fact that DeSantis has gotten basically the same amount of support without Trump on the ballot that Trump got uh, indicates that, that unless someone knocks him off that pedestal, he is the inheritor of the Trump legacy mm. uh, if Trump chooses not to run. Producer Matt Shirley makes the point Ron Paul might have the record for straw polls at CPAC. So, Mr. Davis, point taken. Jeannie, uh, your thoughts on this as a Democrat, looking at this from across the street, I guess. Uh, you know, there was a time you'd go into the, it was in the Omni Hotel in Washington. You go downstairs, there's a book fair downstairs. Everybody loved the book fair. This time you go downstairs, there was a jail cell, among other things. Uh, with a guy in there in an orange jumpsuit acting as one of uh, the, the January 6th uh, perpetrators who was sent to jail, apparently wrongfully. And people would have their picture taken with him. People might get in the cell with him. One of them was Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, to Rick's point, a Republican Party getting closer to CPAC means what, though, as, from an electoral politics standpoint? You know, I, I'm, you know, as you watch some of this, I, I have to imagine and I wondered, are, are the Democrats setting this up? Because this is everything Democrats want to see in the lead up to the midterm and in the presidential election. The more Trump, the better. The more extremism, the better. The more my pillow people, the more Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, all, you know, Donald Trump has Rambo, jail cells with January 6 rioters. It's as if the Democratic Party is putting it all out there and they're eating it up. The problem for the Republican Party, as we know, is this is succeeding to a certain extent. Donald Trump has done very well in these midterm primaries. The question is, can they translate that into general election wins? And you look at the polls in these big Senate states, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Arizona, some of the others, and these more extremist Trump-supported candidates are not polling so well, and they're not even able to raise the money that they should. So that's the problem for the Republican Party as a whole. And quite frankly, Mitch McConnell is the the one who said that early on these races are about candidates you've got to get right. candidates elected in a general election not just a primary the quality of candidate issue uh is one we've been hearing a lot about rick on the republican side as democrats try to prop up what they see as easier to defeat maga sort of candidates if there's a better name for them you can tell me uh the herschel walkers the jd vances there are other better examples you could come up with i'm sure Uh, But this is going to be a big story going into the midterms here and whether Republicans can take over the Senate with some of these nominees. Yeah, I mean, I think that if this were not a year where Republicans have an innate advantage, uh, you know, generic party ballot is up. uh, It's a midterm, which the party out of power tends to do well, and you can't get more out of power than the Republicans right now. Mm. Um, then, then I would say none of these candidates in the fringe that you've just described, Carrie Lake in Arizona included this last mm. week, I, I think they would all lose badly. Um, but the cycle could be so strong that they become competitive. And this is the thing that baffles me so much about the tea leaves that the Democratic Party are reading, where they're actually helping these candidates get nominated. And if any one of them gets elected, yep. pox on the Democrat strategy. Well, that's right. And uh, it's not a new one, uh, but but it, the outcome could be very different this time. Looking at the uh, at the race in Pennsylvania, we haven't had a chance to talk about this one in a while. Uh, of course, John Fetterman, the Democrat, up against Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz. And the last time we got to this, um, I believe Snooky was the hook. 
Uh, remember, he Fetterman has, has he's been trying to get people from New Jersey, the home place, at least at one point of Dr. Oz, to try to troll him a little bit. Snooky was one. Enter Stevie Van Zant. Let's hear it. Yo, Dr. Oz, Stevie VZ here. What are you doing in Pennsylvania? Everybody knows you live in New Jersey and you're just using your in-laws address over there. And you do not want to mess around with John Fetterman. Trust me, he's a little out of your league. Nobody wants to see you get embarrassed. So come on back to Jersey where you belong. And uh, we'll have some fun. Eh? We'll go to the <laughs> beach. We'll go surfing. There oh, you go. Come on. Okay. The, then there'll be more where these came from. You know, Stevie Van Zandt, uh, Bruce Springsteen, Sopranos, and so forth. I'm sure there are going to be more where these come from. This whole narrative... Uh, uh, of kind of getting celebrities, though, to to talk about Dr. Oz in New Jersey has come together to a full-blown campaign. Not these celebrities, but the ones who are friends with Dr. Oz. Listen to this ad or a portion of it from John Fetterman. Do you want someone that's all about North Jersey? Look, he's not one of us. He says he'll fight for working people. Okay. Hey, Doc Hollywood, save your money. Pennsylvania is not for sale. Doc Hollywood, uh, Jeannie, this seems to be taking hold a bit. As I look at the average here on Real Clear, they've got Fetterman up by 8.7%. That's the poll of polls. Uh, Democrats are not usually the ones on this side of the argument. You can ask Rick about that. Here we have this, you know, supposedly folksy working class Democrat calling out the celebrity Republican. Does it work? You know, it, it, I think it's get generated a lot of buzz, and it's very funny. Um, and you know, you're right. It's usually it's usually Republicans calling out Democrats for being too tied to people like Barbara Streisand and Hollywood. So it's unique in that respect. Um, but you know, I think that as somebody who sat through and watched a lot of these carpetbagger arguments, hmm. I think they have buzz, and I think this is good because Fetterman's been off the campaign trail. But is this really going to come down to issues? And it's going to be a tight race. And so I enjoy the commercials. But I think the carpetbagger issue can also fall flat. Um, and so they've got to get back on the issues, is my yeah. argument. Carpetbagger is one. Doc Hollywood is the other, though, Rick, that this guy, you know, he's hanging out with celebrities. He's got nine different houses. He can't relate with you. That's a message that Fetterman can sell. Yeah, I mean, when you are looking at this line of attack, you test it and you go into the polls and you ask voters. Um, does Dr. Oz seem like someone you would have a beer with? Or is he someone like you? Does he hold your values? Hmm. And if you see weakness in that, you can exploit that with these kinds of advertisements. And my suspicion is that they've got some kind of poll that shows over 60% of the public say, yeah, he's not one of us. Mm-hmm. And, and they will echo that in an advertisement all day long because that's a dynamic number that if it's out there, they can play into it to divide the house in, in Pennsylvania. It looks like it's working because whatever they're doing is is opening a pretty big gap with Dr. Oz at this point. John Fetterman is getting back on the campaign trail uh, imminently here. We understand, Jeannie, this is after the heart problem, the, the pacemaker, whatever else went on there that we didn't know about uh, initially. What does he need to do? to put this to rest he goes out there and does push-ups uh does he talk about it does he not talk about it 
Yeah, I think they've done a good job, um, and I think he does talk about it. I think one of the lines his wife talked about earlier had to do with the fact that, or he talked about that had to do with the fact that he wasn't going to the doctor enough. A lot of us, and especially men, can mm-hmm. you know associate with that. So you know, I or listening to his doctor. So I do think he talks about it, but I really think the real issue here. I mean, could you imagine if Doctor Oz had not been endorsed by Donald Trump and his opponent had won this race? I mean, this would be a very different race we're looking at. So I think we're seeing sort of what happens when you have these sort of more extreme Trump candidates endorsed in these primaries that just have real trouble connecting in these suburbs, in these purple states where this electoral victory is going to happen. Will will Dr. Oz make an issue out of his health in the in the final throws of this race, Rick? You know, it wouldn't surprise me that if you're, you know, 10 points down, you're going into Election Day in yeah. uh, November, you're you're going to throw whatever you can at the wall. And and look, I mean, he's got some credibility because he is a cardiac surgeon. And right. so it's not like he's guessing at what he's talking about. I actually thought right now would have been a much better time to frame the debate about uh, Fetterman's weakness when he's off the campaign trail and he's not being uh, very active. And, and, and look, the only thing that could go wrong right now for Fetterman, and it is the summer, and it's usually meaningless when it comes to what happens in the fall, uh, but he's just got to make sure he doesn't have any kind of medical problem in the fall, right? He cannot get sick. A cold will bring back memories of his physical condition. And so, you know, he's got a different kind of bar to get over than, than Oz is going to have to, and, and a lot of it's going to be out of his control. Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano with us, our signature panel back together again. Great to hear from both of you guys and a lot to think about as we head into an important week with a couple of bill signings and another big vote. As we mentioned on Friday, you'll have, of course, a lot of coverage when the House gets down to this reconciliation bill when it crosses over to the other chamber. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Great to see you again. We'll do it again tomorrow. In fact, get up early. I'll meet you on surveillance first thing in the morning, radio and TV, and we'll get back here together on the fastest hour in politics and see what we learn. With Rick and Jeannie, live from the nation's capital, this is Bloomberg. The Hartford understands protecting your business with the proper insurance can be a challenge. The Hartford team can provide coverage to suit your industry. The Hartford empowers mid- to large-sized companies like yours to help manage risk, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. Let the Hartford help protect what's unique about your business. Learn how at thehartford.com. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. Join global business leaders and investors at the Bloomberg Sustainable Business Summit, returning to Singapore on July 31st. Take part in solutions-driven discussions on how to drive business value and unlock opportunity while remaining nimble in times of change and greater ESG accountability. Learn more at BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore. That's BloombergLive.com slash SustainableBizSingapore.